92nd sign is the Mubahila, the prayer duel, which was held 11 years ago with Abdul Haq Ghaznawi at Amritsar. This too is a sign from Allah the Exalted. Abdul Haq had insisted a great deal on holding the Mubahila, whereas I was reluctant to hold the Mubahila with him because the late Maulvi Abdullah Ghaznawi, under whom he claimed to have studied, was a pious person in my estimation. Had he lived long enough to witness my error, I believed that he would have accepted and not rejected me and my claim. But that pious gentleman passed away before my claim. He cannot be held accountable for any flaw in his belief, as there is no penalty for an error of interpretation. Accountability begins after the claim has been made and its truth incontrovertibly established. But there is no doubt that he was righteous and truthful, that he was preeminently devoted to God and detached from this world, and that he was among the righteous servants of God. After he had passed away, I once saw him in a dream during which I told him, I have seen in a dream that I am holding a sword whose handle is in my hand, and its point is into the skies. I am wielding the sword from right to left, and with each of its stroke, thousands of my opponents die. I inquired about its interpretation. At this he said, This is the sword of incontrovertible proof, which shall reach out from the earth to the skies, and no one will be able to stop it. When you saw the sword being brandished now on the right and now on the left, it signified that you will be vouchsafed both kinds of arguments, namely rational and documentary, as well as those of the fresh signs from God Almighty. Thus, in both ways, truth shall be incontrovertibly established in the world, and finally the opponents shall be silenced by these arguments as if they were dead. He, Malvi Abdullah Ghaznawi, further said, when I was in the world, I hoped that such a person would be born. These are the words he actually uttered, and the curse of Allah be upon the liars. When he was alive, I met him once at Khairdi and then at Amritsar. I said to him, You are a recipient of revelation. I have a wish. Please pray for its fulfillment, but I will not disclose what the wish is. He replied, It is good to keep it secret. By God's grace, I shall pray, but revelation is not by choice. What our wish was that Allah may help the faith of the Holy Prophet Muhammad, on whom be blessings and peace, which was declining by the day. After this, I returned to Gadian. A few days later, I received his letter in the mail, which reads as follows. Letter of Abdullah Ghaznawi This humble one prayed for you and received the ilqa, a flash across the mind. Do you grant us succor against the people who deny? It is very rare that my humble self has such prompt response. To my mind, it is because of your sincerity. In short, after great insistence on the part of Abdul Haq, I wrote to him that I did not want to have a mubahila, prayer duo, with any Muslim who recited the kalma, the declaration of faith in Islam. He wrote back, Since we have issued the edict of disbelief against you, we are therefore disbelievers in your eyes. So what is the harm in holding the mubahila? In short, at his insistence, I came to Amritsar for the Mubahla. Since I had sincere love for Mavi Abdullah, blessed memory, and I considered him a harbinger to this spiritual status of mine, quite like Yahya, John, who appeared before Isa, I therefore did not wish to invoke a curse against Abdul Haq. Rather, in my view, he was pitiable, for he did not realize who he was maligning. He thought he was showing his indignation for the sake of Islam and was unaware of what the will of God was in support of Islam. 
Anyway, he said what he liked during the Mubahla. As for me, the sole object of my prayer was my own self. I only pleaded in the court of God that if I am a liar, I should be destroyed quite like liars. But if I am truthful, then may God grant help and succor to me. Eleven years have passed since this Mubahla was held. The help and succor that God accorded me during this period is simply impossible for me to describe in this small treatise. It is no secret to anyone that at the time of the Mubahla I only had a few followers who could be counted on fingers, but more than 300,000 persons have now entered into the covenant of Bayat with me. Financial circumstances were so straitened that even 20 rupees were not received per month and I had to borrow. But now the monthly income from all branches of the community amounts to about 3,000 rupees. After this, i.e. the Mubahla, God manifested mighty signs. Whoever opposed perished in the end. As would be evident from a glance at these signs, some of which have been listed here by way of illustration, God helped me in a variety of ways. Thousands of similar signs of Allah's succor have already appeared, of which only a few have been mentioned here as an illustration. These signs should suffice to testify to my truthfulness to anyone who has a sense of modesty and fairness. Regarding the objection that Atham did not die within the stipulated time frame and that the Christians were so abusive and insolent towards me, please consider, don't the Christians abuse the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, and ridicule him? Have they not written hundreds of thousands of books denigrating the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, and have they not mocked him to the extreme? But did the prophethood of the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, become suspect by such mischief from these wretched people, or was he disgraced by it? Allah the Exalted says, Alas for mankind, there comes not a messenger to them, but they mock at him. Surah Yasin, chapter 36, verse 31 of the Holy Quran. Meaning that no messenger has ever come who was not ridiculed by the ignorant. What needs to be considered is whether they were justified in their ridicule or was it sheer devilish mischief and wickedness on their part. It is an established fact that Atham remained alive for a few days in accordance with the prophecy and then, in accordance with the prophecy, he died within 15 months. The delay in his death was due to his retraction. It is common knowledge that Atham, in the presence of some 70 witnesses, retracted from his statement of using the word Dajjal for the Holy Prophet Therefore, God delayed his death by a few months, but after a few days he caused him to depart this world because the second prophecy also stipulated that, even though it was delayed, still Atham would die within 15 months. Thence, eleven years have elapsed since he died, but I am still alive. Did Atham not retract from his statement of using the word Dajjal for the Holy Prophet in the presence of some seventy persons? Therefore, was it not necessary that he should have been granted some respite? I am utterly astounded as to why people deny such a clear and precise prophecy. In the end, one cannot help saying that those with flawed thinking cannot understand what is plain and simple. They call themselves Muslims, yet support the Christians and are not afraid of the warning, the curse of Allah be upon the liars. No one can succeed through falsehood and slander. Humiliation and disgrace is the fate of the liar, and the truth does triumph in the end.
My books written after the Mubahila contain the detailed account of all the revelations of support and succor from Allah that I received after holding the Mubahila with Abdul Haq, and of the majesty and glory with which they were fulfilled. Let anyone check it, if he so desires. I need not repeatedly recount them. I only briefly state that as soon as I returned home after the Mubahila, I began to receive revelations about Allah's support and succor. And God gave me glad tidings repeatedly, and addressing me, he promised that he would bless me with great honor in this world, transform me into a large community, manifest great signs for my sake, and open the door to all blessings for me. Footnote start. Should anyone have any doubt, let him refer to the revelations I published after the Mubahila, which are recorded in my books and the newspapers. Footnote end. So in accordance with these prophecies, many hundreds of thousands joined my jamaat, who are eager to sacrifice their lives in this path. Since then, more than 200,000 rupees have been received, and so many gifts poured in from all sides that if they were collected together, they would occupy quite a few buildings. And the opponents filed suits against me and tried to destroy me, but they, one and all, had to bite the dust. The end result in each litigation was honor for me and failure for them. After the Mubahila, three sons were also born to me, and God blessed me with such fame and honor in this very world that thousands of respectable people joined my jamaat. Remember for a certainty that everyone who knew my circumstances before the Mubahila, that is, what the level of my honor was, what the size of my jamaat was, what the magnitude of my income was, what the number of my children was, and what growth was experienced after it, will have to acknowledge, no matter how bitterly opposed they are to me, that after the Mubahila, God testified to my truthfulness by bestowing blessings after blessings upon me. Let Abdul Haq be asked now what blessings, if any, he received after the Mubahila. The truth is that this miracle is so unmistakably manifest that even a blind person might well see it. Pitiable indeed is the condition of those who see at night but become blind during the day. Since the day of the Mubahila, bounties have continued to be showered upon me, as God Almighty had addressed me thus, Look, I shall send for you from the sky and shall produce for you from the earth. So has he treated me. He bestowed upon me such bounties and showed such signs that I cannot count. And he gave me such honor that hundreds of thousands are submitting to me with the utmost humility. Ninety-third sign is a prophecy concerning matters of my inheritance. Some non-occupant relatives who were co-owners in our property in Gadian filed a lawsuit in a court at Gurdaspur for its acquisition. At that I prayed they should fail in their lawsuit. In reply to this, God Almighty said, meaning that, I shall accept all your prayers, but not in the matter of your collaterals. Footnote start. The same revelation was also vouchsafed to me in Urdu words. I shall accept all your prayers, but not in the matter of your collaterals. This clear that God has greatly honored this humble servant of his in the words of this revelation. Such a sentence is used in affection and for particular persons. It is not used for all and sundry. Footnote end. It was then that I realized that in this or in some other court, the plaintiffs would finally succeed. This revelation descended with such force that I thought it might perhaps have been heard by close neighbors. After being informed of divine will, I went home. 
My brother, the late Mirza Ghulam Qadir, was still alive. I narrated the entire matter to him in the presence of all members of the family. He replied, We've already spent quite a lot of money. Had you said it earlier, we would not have contested the suit. But this objection on his part was only perfunctory. He was quite convinced of his success and triumph. So he did succeed in the lower court. However, the plaintiffs succeeded in the chief court. Not only did we incur all the court's expenses, but we also had to pay back all the money we had borrowed ourselves to pursue the case. Thus we suffered a loss of thousands of rupees. My brother was greatly shocked. Although I told him a number of times that our collaterals had sold their share to Mirza Azam Baer of Lahore, and that he, Mirza Ghulam Qadir, should invoke his preemptive rights by making the payment, he did not accept this advice and the opportunity was lost. Therefore he regretted why he did not follow the revelation of God. This episode is so well known that nearly 50 persons are aware of it. For many people, including some Hindus, were apprised of this revelation. 94th Sign Once I was traveling from Ludhiana to Gadian by railway train. I was accompanied by Sheikh Hamid Ali, my attendant, and a few others. After covering some distance, I felt a little drowsy and received a revelation. Half to you and half to your collaterals. At the same time, I was made to understand that it related to inheritance accruing to me on the death of some heir, and that the term Amalik referred to my cousins who were opposed to me and happened to be tall in stature too. In other words, God compared me to Moses and them to the opponents of Moses. When I reached Qadian, I learned that one of our collaterals named Imam Bibi was suffering from diarrhea due to hepatic causes. She died a few days later. Except for our two groups, us and our cousins, she had no heirs. Her land, therefore, was equally shared by us and our cousins. Thus was the prophecy fulfilled to the prior announcement of which a large number of people, including Sheikh Hamid Ali, who is still alive, are a witness. 95th sign. Once I had the occasion to travel from Ludhiana to Patiala, I was accompanied by the same Sheikh Hamid Ali, another person named Fateh Khan, resident of a village adjoining Tanda, district Hushyarpur, and a third person named Sheikh Abdul Rahim of Ambala Cantonment. There were also some others whom I do not remember. On the morning we were to take the train, it was disclosed to me the revelation that I would suffer some loss and some inconvenience during the journey. I said to all these companions of mine, Offer the Salat, prayer, and supplicate for I have received this revelation. Therefore, everyone supplicated and effort that we boarded the train and reached Patiala in perfect safety. When we arrived at the station, we found that the chief minister of the state, Khalifa Muhammad Hassan, along with all the prominent officials of the state, riding as many as 18 carriages, were present to welcome us. As we advanced further, there were some 700 citizens of all ranks to receive us. It was all well so far. Neither did we suffer any loss, nor did anything untoward happen. When we wanted to return, the same minister, along with his brother, Sayyid Muhammad Hussain, who was probably a member of the state council these days, accompanied me to the station to see me off at the train. He was also accompanied by the late Nawab Muhammad Khan of Jhajar. When we reached the station, there was still some time before the departure of the train. I decided to offer the Asr afternoon prayer there.
I took off my cloak with a view to performing ablutions and handed it to an attendant of the minister. Subsequently, I put it back on and offered the prayer. In the cloak, there was some cash to meet the expenses of the journey, and I had to pay for the train fare out of it, too. When it was time to purchase the ticket, I put my hand into my pocket to give the money for the ticket and discovered that the handkerchief containing the money was missing. It seems that it fell somewhere when I had taken off the cloak, but instead of being unhappy, I was pleased that a part of the prophecy had been fulfilled. Then after making arrangements for the purchase of tickets, we boarded the train. It was about 10 o'clock in the evening when we arrived at Durahat station, where the train was to stop only for five minutes. Sheikh Abdul Rahim, a member of my party, asked an Englishman if we had arrived in Ludhiana. Out of mischief or some other personal motives, he replied that we had. At this, we hurriedly disembarked along with our baggage. In the meantime, the train left. The moment we disembarked, we realized by the desolation of the station that we had been misled. The station was so desolate that there was not even a bedstead to sit on, nor could any arrangement be made for food. But in view of the fact that by encountering this inconvenience, the second part of the prophecy had been fulfilled, I was as pleased as if somebody had invited us to a sumptuous dinner and as if we got every kind of delectable food. Afterwards, the station master came out of his room and regretted that someone had caused us such trouble by unjust mischief. He said that a goods train would arrive at midnight and he would help us board it if there was some space available. After this, he checked it up through telegraph and was told that space was available. At midnight, we boarded the train and arrived at Ludhiana. It seems that this journey was simply for this prophecy. 96th sign. Once the late Nawab Ali Muhammad Khan, chief of Ludhiana, wrote to me that some of his means of income had been blocked and therefore he desired that I pray for their restoration. When I supplicated or received the revelation, they will be restored. I communicated this to him through a letter and two to four days later those means of income were restored and his faith in me was greatly strengthened. On another occasion he sent me a letter regarding some of his private matters. The moment he had posted the letter, it was revealed to me that a letter with such and such contents would come from him. Without delay, I wrote to him that he would send me a letter with this subject. His letter arrived the next day, and when he received my letter, he was astounded as to how I came to know this secret information, because no one had been privy to this mm -hmm. secret. As a result, his faith in me increased so much that he was totally lost in his love and devotion to me. He recorded both these signs in a small diary which he would always keep with him. As has been mentioned above, when I went to Patiala, I met Sayyid Muhammad Hassan, the minister. In the course of conversation, there was some discussion of the miracles and signs manifested at my hands between the minister and the Nawab, Ali Muhammad Khan. At that time, the late Nawab, taking out the diary from his pocket, presented it to the minister and said, the reason behind my belief and devotion are the two prophecies recorded in this diary. And then when after some time I went to his home at Ludhiana to inquire about his health, a day before his death, he had become very weak on account of piles and was bleeding profusely. He got up despite his condition, went to his inner room and brought back the same little diary and said, I've kept it close to my heart and I draw reassurance from looking at it. And he showed me the place where both prophecies were recorded. Then at midnight or a little later, he passed away.
Surely to Allah we belong, and to him shall we return. I am certain that the diary must still be available in his library. 97th sign. This is a prophecy, namely, the leading ones will be driven to their graves. It was printed and published in the newspapers Al-Hakam and Al-Badr. Its understanding provided by God Almighty was that the chief Malwis of the Punjab, who are considered to have the authority to issue edicts and are the teachers and guides of the junior Malwis, will head for their graves after this revelation. Following this, the doyen of all the clerics, Malwi Nazir Hussain of Delhi, bade farewell to this world. He was the first among those who issued the edict of kufr, disbelief against me. He was Malwi Muhammad Hussain Butlawi's teacher, and upon the latter's request for an edict, had written these sentences concerning me, that such a person was misguided, misleading, and outside the pale of Islam, and that such people should not be buried in Muslim graveyards. This Malvi had set the entire Punjab ablaze with these edicts against me. People were frightened to such an extent that they were loath to even shake hands with me, lest even this much contact might make the disbelievers. Then Malvi Ghulam Dastagir of Kasur was the renowned person who, with a view to proving my disbelief, had procured edicts to this effect from Holy Makkah. He too died after declaring his unilateral mubahila. What a pity that the Meccans were not apprised of his death, or they would have withdrawn their edicts. Similarly, Mufti Malvi Muhammad Malvi Abdullah and Malvi Abdulaziz, all belonging to Ludhiana, who by way of Mubayla had repeatedly invoked the curse of Allah be upon the liars, died after this revelation. Then there was Mufti Malvi Rasul Baba of Amritsar, who also passed away. Likewise, many a Malvi belonging to the Punjab and some belonging to other parts of India departed from this world. If their names were listed here in all, it would occupy a whole volume. What has been recorded here should suffice to establish the truth of the prophecy. If anyone is not satisfied with this, I can provide a long list. 98th Sign A few years ago, Seth Abdurrahman, a businessman of Madras, and a very sincere member of my Jamaat came to Qadian. His business matters had suffered some disarray and trouble. He requested prayers. Thence I received the following revelation. Almighty is he. He sets aright a ruined business and breaks up a running one. None has access to his secret. The purpose of these revealed words was that God Almighty would set aright a ruined undertaking, but after a while he would again break up what is all set. This revelation was communicated to Seth Abdurrahman while he was still in Qadian. Within a few days, God caused a sharp upturn in his business affairs, and certain factors came into play from the unseen that brought him financial benefit. But after some time, the running business collapsed.